periods of time. And so God began to bring me through this flashback of my life, specifically five, ten years ago. And he reminded me of all of the things that he has saved me from, rescued me from, the mountains he has moved on my behalf. And, um, and as I went down that road, I felt those feelings again, but I recognized them for what they were. That's fear. Fear is not my friend. I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that person. Um, that's anxiety. And <laughs> so as I stood over there, I sobbed. And I worshiped my all-powerful God. And over the next few weeks, he just began to impress on me the importance of sharing your testimony. I'm sure someone here has at some point heard, where are the miracles? Why don't we see the miracles anymore? Why don't we hear about the miracles? Because we don't talk about them. Right? Not because we don't experience them. Last week, Glenn had everybody raise their hand who had experienced healing at some point in their life. And I, I think two-thirds of the congregation had their hands up. I have to tell you, I don't know your healing story. Why don't I know your healing story? I mean, I know a few. <laughs> so here's my story. Fifteen years ago, my husband and I moved to Columbia, Missouri. It was not at God's leading. It was at my own. Uh-huh. Yes. I convinced my husband that I was supposed to uh, go to law school. And we moved to Columbia in the attempt for me to get into the law school there. And within a couple of months of moving, we were pregnant with our first child, very unexpectedly. And uh, so then I changed, changed course. Now we have a baby on the way, you know. Over the next five years, I distanced myself from God. Not on purpose. I just didn't have time. Right? I was raised in church. I was raised with half of you. <laughs> but I was busy. I, I really don't, didn't have time for God in my life. Those five years were horrible that we lived there. In that time, we lost our first child. Um, and they almost lost me. God saved me. And that's a whole other story. A miraculous one. If you may have heard me tell it before. Um, 
but God saved my life through just unimaginable circumstances and situations that came along, um, gave me a dream that I was going to die and that my husband was going to find me. And um, I woke up and I said, hey, we have to go to the hospital right now. I've had this dream. And my husband, who was not an agreeable individual, <laughs> that's the truth. We were here visiting, actually, when I had the dream. And he, he was not an agreeable individual. And so I woke him at 6 AM to tell him, you have to drive me to Columbia right now because I'm going to die. And that morning, he's also not a morning person, let me say that. <laughs> that morning, he got up, he said okay, he believed me, we jumped in the car, and we drove straight to the hospital, and he was nothing but supportive the entire time only for us to get there and learn that we had indeed lost our baby. I was indeed at death's door. I was on the verge of dying in the very manner that I had seen in the dream. They had less than 24 hours to save me. The doctor that was on call, because it was on a weekend, was my doctor. Out of all the OB-GYNs, in Columbia that could have been on call, just so you are aware, on that, at that particular hospital there were 16. So they took a 16-week rotation. My doctor was on call. When I asked her if I was going to die, she said, I don't think so. But I have to tell you, I did lose my last patient with this condition. But you know what? Because she had lost that patient, she had done her research. She was on the cutting edge of the technology of the time that they were using. And through the procedures that she outlined that we were going to do, they did indeed save my life. And so that was in the first year that we were down in Columbia. And we were there for four more years. And when we moved back to Kirksville, we were broken. We were coming home because we had found the bottom of the barrel. And then we had dug through it. And we kept going. I had totaled a brand new car within a year of the loss of our child. Within two years of the loss of our child, my husband had had some serious emotional issues. And I had had to have him hospitalized twice for suicidal depression. Between the hospitalizations, and the medications, he went through four jobs in a year, probably. And 
I was working two and three jobs. We had had to file for bankruptcy between the physical ailments that we had both experienced and the job losses and the vehicle loss and we had had a property here that you know tenants up and moved out in the middle of the night in the middle of the winter all the pipes burst and you know the house was a total loss everything um so we had had to file for bankruptcy fear anger and depression were constants in our home I did not want to be there. He did not want to be there. We didn't really want to be with ourselves. And I knew it was, instinctively, I knew it was time to go home. I did not recognize at the time that I was the prodigal son. I was, but I did not recognize it. I was just running home. And my husband didn't necessarily recognize it. He was just following me. He knew something had to change. And I don't think he necessarily thought this was the right move. But he knew something had to change. And so he was following me. And so we packed up. And I left a good job. And we were running home. And specifically, I was running to this church. Please understand that I do not mean this building. I am talking about this people. Each of you that is here, some of you that I've known all my life, and some of you at the time that I did not know in the least. But on the few occasions when I had come home to visit mom and dad, I had attended church. And I knew that I could hear God clearly here. Now the truth is, it wasn't that I couldn't hear God in Columbia, Missouri. It was that I couldn't get past myself to hear God in Columbia, Missouri. And so, so we came home to this church. Um, when I went to my bosses, I had an excellent job in Columbia. Um, and both of my bosses were good Christian men. And so when I went to them to explain why I was leaving, I told them, I have to go home. And I'm going for this church. And one of them said to me, casually, oh, well, what's the name of it? And I realized I didn't know. And I am quite certain that they thought I was crazy. Right? You're telling me that you're leaving this really good job that we have given you and that you're moving home to go to this church and you don't know the name of it? But I wasn't crazy. I was desperate. And God had his hand in it. 
really kind of a big deal to move from one city to another. It should be a big ordeal. Everything fell into place within a matter of weeks. Because of my job down there, there were people who had similar jobs here. They had heard about me. And I got a job very quickly. And so we came running home. It was change brought by God. And I'd like to tell you that as soon as we moved home, it was all sunshine and roses. But it wasn't, because I was still me. And my husband was still himself. And we were still desperate and broken people. Over the next five years, our lives became something of a roller coaster. When I say that, because there were times where it literally made me sick at my stomach. We would slowly and painstakingly climb the next hill. And when we would get to the top, we would have that one moment of, <gasps> before we would plunge headlong into the next unknown problem. There would be lots of twists, lots of turns, unexpected drops, the anger, the depression, and the fear. They came with us. When we moved, we just brought them with us. During the next five years, we dealt with most of the potential life crises that are possible for an individual and for a marriage. We were separated twice, once at his decision, once at mine. Um, some things that people here are aware of because they witnessed it, because they walked it out with us. Some that none are aware of. But it was bad. I am not exaggerating when I say that fear and depression and anxiety were a constant. There were times where I could not bring myself to clean my house because I didn't want to be there. There were times where if you had walked into my house, you would have known that I practically qualified as a hoarder. Not really because I hoarded things, but just because I could not bring myself to do anything. The spirit of depression was so heavy in our home that you came in the door and you went to bed. And when you got up in the morning, you escaped out the door. And you tried not to come back until it was time to go to bed. 
that there was change brought by God. It didn't happen overnight because we were both still very capable of making a mess of our lives. And at times it seemed we were determined to accomplish it. The fear and the anger and the depression began to slowly decrease. But it's not easy escaping yourself. And I can tell you with certainty that you can seek change all day long, but if it is not change brought by God, you will not be improving your situation. You're just trading one mess for another. See, healing had to happen. First, I had to allow it to happen. You have to want to get rid of your mess. Don't we all have things that we know we need to just let go of, but we're holding on to them? And I had to receive my healing, and in my case, it came through repeatedly pouring myself into a puddle at his altar. Sometimes weeks after week after week. There were months where every time there was an altar call, I was up here. I'm quite certain that some people thought, man, she must be really broken. I was. This is where I needed to be. This was what I needed. This was what I had run home to, right? But I also had to believe that I had that healing. And I had to hold on to it. And I had to stop confessing that I was in that mess. And when my head got in the way, I had to shut it up. Because of some of the things that we went through, there were times where I felt entitled to my feelings. I felt entitled to my anger, entitled to my depression. I had been wronged. I even had people tell me I was entitled to feel that way. My husband and I started marriage counseling. Things were getting better at times. And we would have several weeks where things would seem like they were steadying out. There was sunshine. It was happy. And then we would drop off again. And I realized that right here, this, was when we took that drop. Because I could spend just a few minutes by myself and start to think about all the ways he had done me wrong. And the fact that I was entitled to feel that way. And within a matter of minutes, that depression 
that fear, that anxiety would take hold again. And then I might quit thinking about it. And suddenly, within a couple of days, I would realize that I felt better. There was the sunshine again. And a couple weeks later, something might happen, something might trigger a memory, and I would, man, that dirty dog. What he did to me, what he put me through. And I would be right back to my friend fear, to my friend depression. I had to claim my healing and I had to hold on to it. I can tell you now, after all these years, when those thoughts come, I very quickly slap them down. That is not who I am. That's not who my husband is anymore. And there's the door. You are not needed here. Psalms 5015. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. And that's what I'm doing here today. I am giving God all the glory for all the magnificent works that he has done in my life. All the miracles that he has done in my life all the healing change that has been brought by God. Sometimes when things get good, and they've been good for a while, we forget. We forget what it was like in our past. And it's behind us. And we focus on the road ahead of us. And we forget what God has brought us through. And as we've talked about several times today, as Chelsea talked about, we forget to testify to all that he has done for us. Psalms 107.2, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. I woke up the other morning and I had a phrase in my head, living the dream, and I am. Um, And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I know that in the world and in society, sometimes you hear that sarcastically. I am telling you, I am living the dream. My husband and I's relationship is better today than it has been for the entire 20 years that we've been married. I have absolutely no doubt that tomorrow will be better than today. We have good kids, good jobs. We have a nice house. And we have peace in our home. No fear, no anxiety. And if they try to come in, We very quickly kick them to the curb. 
and our lives are still complicated and messy, right? I mean, we got a lot going on. I, we're a host home, and um, yeah, we just we just got a lot going on in our house. If you come into our house, you will see it is somewhat like a zoo. Oh, Chelsea said, what's a host home? My husband and I, um, my husband's full-time job is that we are a host home. So we have um, an adult male who lives with us. He has severe disabilities. And um, it is our job to take care of him, essentially. He can't take care of himself. And so he uh, lives with us, and we care for him full-time. Um, God has moved mountains in my life and the roller coaster has been left behind and if a new mountain appears tomorrow off in the distance I now know that he will move it too right but God has impressed on me that we have a calling that we're to reach the lost. And I've been lost, and I'm found, and I have an obligation to tell others, to help others who are lost, to speak of his works in my life, and to speak of the healing in my life. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can the world know what God has brought us out of if we don't tell them? We hide it, right? I mean, that's, that's the truth. Society today, the way we view things, certain things have stigmas. I asked my husband, out of respect, in advance, before I told you all that he had had to be hospitalized twice for suicidal depression. Because there's a certain stigma that goes with it a certain view. It's not pretty, it's ugly. But it's who we were and he saved us. If you are in a desperate situation today, I implore you to seek God. I'd like to say that I would know if you were in a desperate situation. But the truth is we hide it from each other very well sometimes. I'm not pointing fingers or blaming, but I'm quite certain that most of you did not realize what my situation was. And so I do not want to assume that all is well with all of you if it is not. If you are in that situation, I implore you to seek God. 
daily. And if that means that you have to pour yourself at his altar every day, that you do so. And change may not come overnight. Not because God can't change things overnight, but because it's doubtful you can, right? But it is not in God's nature to fail us. Apple trees do not produce lemons, and hippos do not birth kittens. And God does not fail us because it is not in his nature. I think I'm going to have the praise and worship team come back up if they would, please. If when I said the title of the message today, live in the dream, if that's not you, If you laughed in your head because you are not living the dream, because you don't even know what the dream looks like, as they're playing, we're just going to have a time of prayer and healing here at the front. If you would like someone to agree with you, over your circumstance and your situation and your mountain so that God can move it for you and so that then you can testify to what he has done in your life. We'd just like to give you the opportunity to come up. Thank you.